What a testimony. If that doesn't make you think of Edwin Willis, I don't know what would. I personally have enjoyed countless hours sitting and listening to his wisdom, encouragement, stories of life, and often silly jokes. And I'm so thankful for all of the time, energy, and effort he gave to pour into my life and to make me a better person. A look around this room also shows a powerful testimony to the countless lives God used him to impact, improve, and inspire along the many years of his life. We've come together today to celebrate the life of this servant of God and the way he has made all of our lives richer for having been a part of it. We could easily go around this room and fill countless hours telling stories of joy where Edwin showed us love and compassion and many a fun story and joke along the way. Which is why today is a hard day. Because while we are here to celebrate a life well lived, we also mourn because he's no longer here with us. It's easy to stand up and give platitudes and Bible verses often used to give comfort to those that are hurting. But the reality is those words can feel empty whenever we recognize that it doesn't heal the pain or take away the loss of the man we love so much. But in the middle of this struggle, thankfully my aunt and cousins gave me direction for what to say today as I, I wondered, how, how, do you, how do you celebrate a man like this? And my Aunt Luann hit the nail on the head when she asked me to teach on grace. Because Uncle Edwin's life song and the theme of his life truly was grace. As they gave me his Bible and his sermon notes from his last message, it was so cool to, to look at a, a pastor's Bible. And if you've ever done that, it's like looking at a master chef's recipe book. And if you get blessed as I was to, to look at the notes of how he constructed his messages, man, what a treasure. And so, in an attempt to try to share some of those with you, Exodus 34.6 was the anchor passage for his last sermon. It says this, And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. As well as Psalm 86.15 that says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. Both of these passages were connected to the message he gave with the title of the grace of God. So it's in this theme that I will try to connect God's grace and our present struggles. I ask the question, how can the grace of God give us comfort in the pain and in the mess of our sufferings and the life that we live? I found the answer in yet another highlighted passage in my Uncle Edwin's Bible, John 1, 16 and 17 says, speaking of Jesus, and His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we see that while Moses gave the people the law, that in itself was not good enough. The Apostle James and the Apostle Paul warn us that the law is like a mirror that shows us that we're dirty, but can do nothing to cleanse us. This is why Jesus had to come with grace and truth to make a way to cleanse us from the spiritual dirt of our disobedience. But what does this grace look like? How can we recognize what grace actually is? You see, grace is God's declaration over our condemnation. It's God's declaration over our condemnation. What does this mean? Let me, let me give you an example. When I was in graduate school, bless Uncle Edwin for helping me through, 
I mistakenly wrote a book review for a class using the wrong book. A few days later, I got my paper back from my professor with a note on it that said, this is a great paper, but it's from the wrong book. Next to this note was a large zero F. I was not only upset over the mistake, but also extremely concerned because this paper counted over 33% of my grade. In my panic, I took the afternoon off of work, rushed home, skimmed over the right book, wrote another paper, submitted it with a note explaining my mix-up. After a few anxious days of waiting, I received this message back from my professor. It simply said on the note, this is what grace looks like. Remember it the next time someone asks it of you. Next to that note was a 100A. My professor had shown me incredible grace that I did not deserve. I deserved the F. I deserved the zero. That's what I had earned from my actions. But his grace was a declaration of forgiveness in the middle of my condemnation. And it's a lesson that I still remember all these years later. You see, grace is nice when we're the ones who need it. Grace sounds great when we're asking it of other people, but when we have to give it to others, how difficult that can be. But it's wonderful that we can get the example of Jesus that knows how to give us grace even when we don't deserve it. When we run in the freedom so far away from God and we come back home time and time again, and just as Uncle Edwin showed us from his notes that, man, the perfect example of grace is found in Jesus. As I was praying over this topic and where to go with it, my mind kept going back to the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And we find this in the Gospel of John chapter 4. In this familiar passage, we find Jesus traveling back home to Galilee. But unlike most Jews, He traveled through the region of Samaria rather than around it. Many Jews, because they hated the Samaritans, would walk many days around Samaria because they hated the Samaritans because they were not full Jews. You see, after the, the Israelites returned from captivity, there was a group that could not find their pedigree. They could not find their genealogy. And so they were misfits, outcasts and were forced to live away from God outside of the temple and outside of the the community. And so the other Jews would travel around. But Jesus, in His grace, chose to travel through Samaria because He had a divine appointment. And as He traveled into Samaria, we pick up and we see this passage that we read 2,000 years later in John chapter 4, where it says, Eventually, He, Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave His son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now that verse is very easy to skim right past to get to the meat of the story. But if we miss it, we'll miss the very first important part. Is that we see Jesus first shows grace in His timing. At first glance, noon is not the right time to go to a well. If you've been in the Middle East, you know that the hottest time of day is noontime. When I was over there with the military, we regularly experienced temperatures in the 120s. You don't want to go draw water from a well to feed your animals and and give water to your garden and take care of your family at noon. No, you get up in the morning at the first light of day. But this woman was hiding from community. She was hiding from her people that would see her and her life that she had lived and find her in shame. But Jesus, on purpose, chose to meet her right where she was in God's perfect timing. Jesus easily could have taken a break, but He had a divine appointment with her. In the same way, God gives us grace by showing up at just the right time when we need Him the most. And He gives us grace exactly at the perfect time. As Albert Einstein said, that God does not throw dice and does not believe in chance. God is gracious in His timing in our lives. 
The passage goes on, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at this time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, and that's an understatement when you understand the context, because Jews refused to have anything with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And here Jesus sits, the creator of the universe, the one who speaks galaxies into existence, the one who gave sight to the blind, strength to the lame, and even raised himself from the dead. She sees only a man, though, asking something from her. But Jesus, being the radical rabbi, is not concerned with rules. See, she may have seen him as a Jew, but he saw her as valuable, as a creation, the manifestation of God's imagination, my friend Jerry and Webb says. And God not only showed her grace through Jesus in his timing, but also in his position. You see, Jesus was a man in the middle of Middle Eastern culture. He had every right of that day to treat her like property. And like I said, if you go to the Middle East today, you'll still see women treated far below the value that God gave them. I used to get in trouble a lot of times when I was over there because I would smile and speak to women that were not related to me and I would get chastised. And they'd say, oh, you gotta, you're not supposed to do that. And I broke the rules anyway. But Jesus, being the radical rabbi, broke the law of culture, but he also broke what we would think in the law of Moses. You see, rabbis would not speak to unclean people. They would pass on the other side of the road and unclean people would be forced. If you imagine the lepers of the day or the sinners of the day would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, to let the people know. This is why in the, in the story of Jesus told the Good Samaritan, the, the religious leaders passed on the other side of the road. They did not want to soil themselves with someone else's sin. But Jesus saw value. And so He broke the laws of culture and even the law of Moses to show this woman her value. He did not use His position to condemn her when He had every right. But instead, He used His position to affirm her. And thirdly, man, we see that Jesus gives this woman grace in what He offers her. Not, not only did He have every right to condemn her, but He had every right to hold her accountable. But instead, He tells her this, Anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus offered her the living water. That was a throwback to the prophet Jeremiah of God alone being able to give that. That Jesus standing in front of this woman in a weird place at a weird time, in a weird location, and gave her the opportunity of grace to receive eternal life. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God did not count my sins against me. I'm so thankful that God was willing to, like Jesus to this woman, to extend the hand of grace that despite our disobedience, that God graciously gives us forgiveness and does not count our sins against us. Why does He do all this? Because God's declaration overcomes our condemnation. As we begin to move toward the end, I'd love to share... Uncle Edwin's advice to me when I, I came to him years ago in seminary, grad school, and I was working on how do I develop messages? I mean, how do you preach sermons? And as a man who had preached countless ones with expertise and ease and, and power, I said, Uncle Edwin, how do you do it? And the quiet, thankful, thoughtful man that he was, he didn't answer me right away, but after a few minutes, he looked up at me and he said, just give him the gospel. That'll be more than enough. You see, the gospel is just a fancy church word unless you've experienced it. If you've experienced the gospel, then it's power. Then it's new life. 
then it's eternity not spent separated from God, but in the kingdom. You see, just as this woman 2,000 years ago experienced, God offers you and I the same three opportunities of grace. Grace in His timing. Today you may have come to a funeral, but it may also be a day for you to experience new life in Christ. You may have come in the middle of seeing a God who's a bully with an ant farm and a magnifying glass. Maybe that's the God you've experienced, but Jesus shows us the God who lovingly meets us where we are and gives us grace not to hold His position over us, but to be a servant. And maybe you came here today expecting God to condemn you like this woman could have. But instead, she would be the one that went back into the town and said, you've got to come meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. And God used this woman, who remains nameless, on the pages of history to start a revolution in her town. And today you and I could be, as Uncle Edwin was, a mighty, powerful force for the kingdom to share the gospel to affect countless lives and to give God's great message of grace. Whenever I think about God's message of salvation, I hope you'll humor me. I, I find God in the most unlikely places. And if you've ever seen the movie A Knight's Tale, based off of Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, I found that if I keep my eyes open, God can meet me where I am. And at the end of the movie, my favorite scene where William Thatcher decided to take his fate into his own hands. He faked being someone he wasn't. He tried to be a knight when he didn't have the pedigree, and he got found out he was a fake, and he was about to be punished for everything he had done wrong. And out of the crowd steps out the son of the king, and he bends down, and he says these words. It's my favorite scene. The son of the king says to William Thatcher, he may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered he is descended from an ancient royal line. This is my word. And it is beyond contestation. That is grace today, my friends. That the God of the universe gives you and I grace that overrides any declaration our sin may have. What a beautiful picture. So as we close, I want to ask if maybe today, like I have so many times in my life, if you stand in need of grace, the Son of the King stands up and says, my word is beyond contestation. And you can receive that today. So I want to give you the opportunity as we get ready to close this session in prayer. I'd love to, as Uncle Edwin used so many good stories, I'll share one poem with you that I couldn't help but see that he had marked. And it says, from the chicken soup to the soul, the passage says this, Start with yourself. The following words were written on the tomb of an Anglican bishop in the crypts of Westminster Abbey. When I was young and free and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser, I discovered the world would not change. So I shortened my sights somewhat and decided to change only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew into my twilight years and one last desperate attempt, I settled for changing only my family, those closest to me. But alas, they would have none of it. And now as I lie on my deathbed, I suddenly realize if only I had changed myself first, then by example, I would have changed my family. From their inspiration and encouragement, I would then have been able to better my country, and who knows, I may have even changed the world. Today, my friends, you can receive the grace of God, and you can begin to change yourself first. And I think, if Edwin were with us today, the story of grace would be what he would want shared. So I pray that you would receive that. Don't let today 
go by without an opportunity to receive God's grace. Let's pray together. King Jesus, I thank You that just as Your example of, the, of how You treated the woman at the well, that we can receive grace in Your timing, that today is the day of salvation. That today is the day that we decide that we will serve not just a God who gives us eternity, but a God that gives us life here and now to bring the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, You give us grace in Your position that You don't condemn us. You use Your authority to declare us new creations. And God, You use the offer of living water. Not earthly water where we will get thirsty again, but water that will well up inside of us into eternal life. That is grace where Your grace, Your declaration overrides our condemnation. So Lord, I pray that You would use this time for anyone who may be in the sound of my voice that for the first time or the thousandth time needs to bow the knee of their heart to You and say, Lord, I received Your grace. Lord, like the Son of the King in that movie, declare over me that I am someone that I wasn't originally. Because Your declaration overrides my condemnation. So God, I pray over this time a blessing and that we would begin to be inspired by our good and loving father, husband, uncle, brother, and friend to live a life of grace that gives You honor. Amen. As we transition from this time, I'd love to invite anyone up that would like to share a story or a memory about Edwin at this time to to celebrate his life together. If you would love to, please come up and share. I'll share one. Um, So I I told you the one about where he said that he would tell me just to give him the gospel, but he also... It also reminded me of the power of a joke. And I, maybe I've said that a few times, but one of the things I loved, every time we would sit down and talk, he would lean over and say, have you heard this one? And it would always be a new one. I, I, can, I can say, I don't think in my entire life he ever told me the same joke twice. But what he reminded me was that a joke is a powerful way to reach people when they're closed off from you. You see, everybody loves humor. Everybody loves a good story. And every time I sit down with somebody in my, in my daily life, my daily practice, I end up telling silly jokes because he reminded me that's a wonderful way to bridge the gap between hurting people and a loving Savior. Anybody else like to share? If not, I'll invite my wonderful cousin Kaylee to come and share. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Kaylee Willis, and I'm Brady's wife. Um, we first wanted to introduce you to some very special ladies who meant um, a lot to Dad, and those were the Pinetta girls. Um, so I just have their names here. We'd like to introduce you to Carol, to Debbie, to Myra, to Bertha, to Gail, Carlene, Edna, Linda, and Gail. These were Dad's high school sweethearts, and these, these ladies meant the absolute world to him. Um, and we're thankful for them because when Mom and Dad moved down here, they adopted Mom to join them. And we're very thankful for you. So, um, Mom and the boys wanted me to share a few of their favorite memories of Dad. So, um, I will first start with Dave. Um, so, after one of his first ventures from home, he found that it did not go to plan and he moved back home. Um, with mom and dad and he remembers sitting with dad in the mornings and enjoying a cup of coffee and 
um, talking about music. And when he was feeling down and unsure of his next step, Dad counseled him and gave him the strength uh, to go out and to try again. And his love and support has helped all of us be where we are today. Dan would also like for me to share one of his favorite memories. Uh, when Dan was 10 years old, he had a very terrible ear infection, caused fever and trouble sleeping. But uh, he, remembers his, he remembers Dad taking him in his arms and sitting down in a rocking chair and rocking him to sleep. And when he had to go to the hospital, his dad was right there with him. Um, he was always right there beside them, making sure they were taken care of and that they were loved. And mom wanted me to share one of her favorite memories over the years. Dad loved TV, and we all knew that. <laughs> as much as he loved Gunsmoke and other westerns, The Andy Griffith Show was his favorite. And many of his sermons were based off of these shows that he watched. Um, every year, they would go on an adventure up to Mount Airy to the Mayberry Festival. And when he and mom would go... Dad would get in the patrol car. He would be put in jail, but he'd always get out, just like Otis did with that key. <laughs> Even one time on this last trip, Ernest T. Ernest T tried to give Mom a kiss, but Dad was not having that, and he grabbed a brick. <laughs> it was a trip he looked forward to every year. They would always go to Willis Gap in Virginia, where they would play and sing all evening picking and grinning with all of the other musicians. They always ended the day with Night Deer and Night Darling. So from all of us today, Dad, Night Deer, thank you.
Let's stand together in prayer. Almighty God, we, we stand in Your presence knowing that You are our Comforter. You told us that Your Holy Spirit would lead us to peace and to truth. And so God, we ask today that You would help us to just affirm and stand in that comfort that You give us, knowing that we don't say goodbye, we only say ta-ta for now. So Lord, we pray a blessing over the men and women who have come to celebrate the life of our beloved Edwin. And God, that You would bless them in Your name and they would go in peace. Amen.